Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, speaking about the Holy Spirit, that's what I'll be sharing about tonight. And um, I've just entitled this Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And my subtitle is, What is it? Why should you pray in tongues? And lastly, how to receive it. And um, I, I'm really excited about this because this is a, a spirit-filled church. And um, it doesn't take you too long to realize if you've never been to a spirit-filled church, there's something different from time to time. And uh, I just want to talk about it because I, I often get questions as a pastor on, you know, um, you gave that prayer for people to receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking. What do you mean evidence of speaking in tongues and baptism? I, you know, I've, I've heard of, you know, I've been baptized. Uh, and um, so I, I, um, I answer these questions quite often. And um, at any given time, we have new people here coming all the time. And um, I just wanted to lay it all out very clearly um, just, just straight, straight scripture, just explain it as clearly as I can, and um, um, hopefully, I'm, not, I'm actually going to try not to preach too much, I just want to teach, not share too many stories, I just want to share what the Word says on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know, what is it, why it's important, why it's important that we pray in tongues, and also just how to receive it. So, um, I'm going to share a lot of scripture, if you're taking notes, you're going to have to write fast tonight. I'm going to try to do it in one teaching because I just want to lay it all out there. And uh, I don't think we should shy away from it because I've noticed that people who come here notice there's something different. They're very, they're very excited about what's happening here. And they're like, they can sense it. People can sense the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very attractive thing. It's attracted to believers. It's actually attracted to non-believers. Believers can sense the, the power of God as well. And the church should not shy away from it. We should be very, very bold about it. And actually, one thing, one thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but it gives us boldness. And, uh, you know, it gives us power. And if you have power, power makes you bold. You know, if, if I were to give you a Ferrari, like a really powerful car, you wouldn't drive it like a little, you know, Euro, European little smart car thing. You know, you, would, you, wouldn't be, you don't want to be ashamed of the power. You know, power gives you boldness. Amen? So um, I'm going to share on this tonight. Uh, first point is this. I believe that it's very clear that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from salvation and water baptism. And Jesus actually made this distinction himself. Um, Acts 1, you can turn to Acts 1. Um, and I'm going to go fairly quickly through some of these things. But Acts 1, um, verse 4 and 5, and then I'll skip to verse 8. It says here, um, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, say the promise, of the Father. And this is, you know, the words of Jesus. He calls it the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he's talked about it before. He said, for John truly baptized with water. So there's a water baptism. Jesus talks about a water baptism. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Down in verse 8, Jesus says, but you shall receive power. Say power. power. Man, the church needs to be full of power today. Amen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Generally, if you say baptism, uh, most people, even myself, even a lot of you, if I, said, if I said last week we had 100 baptisms, most people would think what? Water baptisms. That, that's just kind of linguistically where our mind goes. But in Scripture, there are actually three primary baptisms. 
And there's actually a doctrine of baptisms, plural. You can look at Hebrews 6. If you're flipping fast tonight, some of you can flip really fast. Hebrews 6, verse 1 through 3, talks about some um, foundational doctrines, some elementary principles of Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 1 through 3 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, onto maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, on, on laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So I believe scripturally that the word baptism is used in, in three primary ways. Um, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And I'm going to ask you, what is this talking about? And the word baptism, to be baptized, is used here. And I want to ask you, what is this referring to? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul writes here, for by one spirit, we were all baptized. All baptized. So who's the all here? Every believer. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So what, what is he talking about? We have all been baptized into one body. We all, what, what is, who is the all? All believers. You can be Jewish, Greek, male, female, slave, free, rich, poor. Everyone who's believed has been baptized. And what, what is this talking about? Salvation. This is, this is the first doctrinal baptism. And the way to distinguish between these three foundational baptisms is to ask, who's the one doing the baptizing and into what are you being baptized into? So the, the baptism of salvation, for by one spirit you are baptized into. Who is baptizing here? The one spirit, the Holy Spirit. So when you, when you come to believe on Jesus and, and you have that repentance from dead works and you want to live for Christ, you want him to be your Lord and Savior. Jesus, come, come live, in, come, I invite you into my heart. The Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. The Holy Spirit is present at the work of salvation. Amen. And he baptizes you into what? Into the body of Christ, into, into the body of Christ, into salvation. So this baptism deals with repentance and faith. It's talking about salvation. And um, this is actually the only type of baptism that is needed to be saved. Some people might say, well, you have to be water baptized to be saved. That's why, you know, at my church, they sprinkled me with water as soon as they could to make sure I had my ticket to heaven. Well, the thief on the cross, he said, Jesus, I believe that your Lord, I... Remember me. Remember me. You know, when you enter, when you go into your kingdom. And, and Jesus, what did Jesus say to him? Well, let's get down off this cross really quick. I got to dunk you in water. I got to sprinkle you. Or I got to. No, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He wasn't water baptized, but, but the Holy Spirit baptized him into the body of Christ. So he was saved. And we'll see that. He's called the penitent thief. He's the one who had a repentant heart. We'll see him in heaven. Amen? So the first baptism doctrinally is a baptism of salvation. How about this baptism? Acts 2.38. On the day of Pentecost, at the end of Peter's message, he said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying repent. Repentance is talking about get saved and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you can actually see three things right there, right? So, and I believe when he's talking about being baptized in the name of Jesus, you can baptize someone um, in water in the name of Jesus. You can also baptize someone, it's also mentioned in Scripture, to baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can baptize them um, in, in the triune name of God. But, but um, water baptism, think about this. I talked about the way to make the distinction is to ask yourself, what are you being baptized into? So water baptism, what are you being baptized into? Water. Hopefully it's warm. Hopefully it's... Typically we do full immersion because that's what we see in Scripture. And who baptizes you into water? Uh, another believer. Another believer who can just witness what's being done. There, there needs to be a witness, uh, at least one believer, other believers, right? It's a, it's a, it's a public um, profession of your faith. I believe this baptism deals with um, also repentance, but um, I, your identif- identification with Christ. You're saying, I, I'm, I'm dying with Christ. I'm identifying with him in his death, in his burial, and also in his resurrection. A lot of people forget that side of the Christian life. You have resurrection power with Jesus. It's not you who live, but Christ who lives in you. You're dead to sin so you can live to God. All right, and I mentioned this, this, this third baptism here, Acts 1, verse 8. I'm going to read the verse, and you tell me what is this talking about. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I want to add this verse. Matthew 3:11. John the Baptist said, "I indeed baptize you with water." He was pointing people to God, pointing people to repenting from dead works. "I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I." Who's he talking about? Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So a baptism in the Holy Spirit this Pentecostal charismatic thing, what are you being baptized into? The Holy into the Holy Spirit. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You're being baptized into the Holy Spirit. By who? Jesus. Who is the He? Jesus. So, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ. It, it empowers you to be better witnesses, and speaking in tongues is a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why do you say speaking in tongues happens when you're baptized? Because that's what you see in the book of Acts. Whenever people receive the Holy Spirit, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you in Acts that it, that it is a separate experience. It can have, you, can, you can receive Jesus, be water baptized, and, and you know, be baptized in the Holy Spirit all on the same day. But they're separate experiences. And, and for some people, there, there was a delay. Some people don't receive all the baptisms either. But I believe all baptisms um, should be um, in the believer's life. So this is a question that, that people often ask. Well, isn't the Holy Spirit in you when you're saved? I'm asking you a question. Yes. At salvation, every believer is born again by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in them. There, there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, Paul writes this in, in Ephesians 1.13, that having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you believe on Jesus, when you're saved, when you're born again, the, the Holy Spirit seals you. The seal there, that, a seal represents ownership. This means that salvation, God seals you with his Holy Spirit so that you know that you are his. His spirit lives in you, dwells in you. You are his son, you are his daughter, you belong to your heavenly father. He's placed that spirit within you that cries out, Abba, Father. That's always pointing, you, you know you have a home. You know you have a father. You're no longer an orphan, amen? You're giving that spirit that makes you know that you belong, you're accepted in the beloved. The Holy Spirit, man, this is super powerful. So my next question is this. So some people kind of get hung up on that because they say, well, I received the Holy Spirit because I, I believed on Jesus. Yes, you received the Holy Spirit. You had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So my next question is, can you be saved and not yet have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Yes. There might be some of you here tonight. There often are. Um, there are many believers today that haven't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, also in Scripture, there are several instances in Scripture, and I'll go through them, where there were believers, they followed Jesus, yet they didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they weren't yet speaking and praying in tongues. Let's go to one of these instances right now. Turn to Acts 8. You know, I, I, have, I had a really um, close friend who's a very strong believer, loved the Word of God, um, came here and visited me, him and, his, him and his wife, shortly after I became a pastor about eight years ago. They stayed with me for a few nights, and um, they're very strong believers, um, very devout Calvinists. Like, they wanted to have a son and name him Calvin. They've had two girls so far. But um, he came on Wednesday night when I was preaching, and then afterward, the next day, he's kind of asked me about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I just took him here to Acts 8, and also to the next place I'll take you. Acts 8. Starting in verse 5, and, and he, he could just see it here in Scripture. He's like, you're right. It is a separate thing. Acts 8, verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken to Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip was um, an evangelist. And, and miracles, uh, it, it, that's one of the gifts that often accompanies um, the, the office of an evangelist. They saw the miracles. It says, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all have great heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So what's this talking about? They believed and it says here they were baptized, probably talking about being baptized into water. Then Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized, so he believed and when he was baptized, so he believed, he was saved and then he was baptized in the water, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, 
So that these people believed on the word of God, they believed on Jesus. So they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. Interesting. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So they had believed on Jesus, been baptized in water in the name of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Well, why? You might ask, well, why? I, I don't know. They, Peter and John were probably asking Philip, why didn't you pray for this for them yet? Maybe he's like waiting. He didn't know yet. This is kind of early on in the church. I was waiting on one of the big 12 to show up. And... But since they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go to Acts 19 now. Acts 19. So those in Samaria, this is now in Ephesus where we see that there are believers who have not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, we'll start in verse 1. It said, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So they're disciples, right? Who do you think? What, what are they disciples of? They're followers of Jesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they believed, right? And Paul's just asking, did you receive this when you believed? And what did they say? So they said to him, we have not as much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. So they were baptized in a, in a baptism of water. Verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, the baptism, you know, Water baptism is a baptism of repentance. I'm not going to live death. I'm going to die to my old self. I'm going to live unto Christ. With the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Pretty cool. So my next question for you is this. Is the baptism in the Holy Spirit a good thing? Yes. I hope you said yes to that. I know there's some people who are scared because you're actually taught against it. You're taught, man, if, if you were part of this church at Ephesus, you were in the wrong. Because you shouldn't pray in tongues. You shouldn't speak in tongues. You shouldn't prophesy. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do what Paul did here. Is the baptism in the Holy Spirit a good thing? Yes, it is. Jesus says that it is a gift from the Father, and we should receive every gift that God has for us. Every gift that God, and he only has good gifts and perfect gifts to give. Sunday, when I took up offering, I got a little, I went off on a little tangent, a little fire, bold, power of God tangent, and I said, I saw something by another ministry here in town who has a big following, and he said, you never know what gift God is going to give you. It might be a gift of sickness, a gift of eviction, a gift of losing your job, a gift of... And I, I was ticked off. And I actually um, gave you, looked up some scriptures on gifts from God. James 1.17. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Some people have religiously twisted the goodness of God and said, when bad things happen, when it's actually a gift from God, it's a good thing. 
No, good means good and bad means bad. What gifts do we receive from God? I'm not going to read out all these scriptures, but I wrote down some scriptures on gifts scripturally that come from God. Sickness is not one of them. Poverty is not one of them. Defeat is not one of them. Destruction is not. Torment is not one of them. Death is not one of them. Ephesians 2.8, the gift of salvation. Romans 5.17, the gift of righteousness. Romans 6.23, the gift of eternal life. 1 Corinthians 12.7-11, the gifts of the Spirit. Ephesians 4.11, the five-fold ministry gifts. Apostles. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, these are actually gifts from Jesus to the body of Christ. You know, I, I said, I'm thankful for Pastor Lawson. I was pretty adamant about it. You might say, well, why, why was Pastor Aaron just shouting that he's so thankful for Pastor Lawson? Because he's a gift from Jesus. Acts 1 verse 4, this other gift from God, the gift of the Holy Spirit. These are all good and perfect things. All right, my next big question for you tonight, what happens when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit? What happens? You receive a spiritual, a supernatural language and a supernatural power, which leads to boldness. You might think, hey, that Pastor Lawson's a little bold for me. It's probably because there's a power bubbling up on the inside of him. Amen? Amen? Sometimes you can't help but be, when you got the power. You know, I recently got a truck that has a turbo engine. Sometimes you got to test it out. You don't drive it like a little Prius. And no, my truck does not identify as a Prius. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. Acts 2, 1 through 4. What happens when you're baptized? You receive a supernatural language, a spiritual language, and supernatural power. Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is when the church was born. I think our present-day church should still look like the church on the day of Pentecost. Amen? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began. It says they began. If something began, to me it means it probably continued. It wasn't just a one-time thing, right? They began to speak the other tongues. Um, Acts 10, verse 44 through 46. This is when Peter um, was sent by God to Cornelius' house. And Peter actually wasn't so sure about preaching to a non-Jewish person. This, you know, Italian man... I don't know about those Italians. I like their spaghetti, but I don't know if they should 
have a place in heaven. I don't know. Like, sometimes they put shrimp on their spaghetti. That really bothers me because shrimp is not kosher. Sometimes they put bacon on their pizza. So Acts 10, verse 44 through 46, God blew Peter's mind. Peter, while ministering to Cornelius, he was, he was pre, and you can read it in its context, but Peter's really just preaching the gospel to Cornelius, whose heart was open to God. He was hungry for God. He's ministering to Cornelius and his household. So it wasn't just Cornelius. It was, a whole, it was like the whole mafia here. There's was, was all, all these Italians. Man, the, the grandpa, the uncle, the cousins, the whole, the whole shebang. God loves to work in households. That's a good word for some of you here tonight. You can have, there are promises for households. Amen. His whole household. It says, while Peter was still speaking, man, he, he hadn't even gotten to the conclusion of his message yet. God didn't care what Peter thought about Italians. <laughs> Said the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. So these Jewish believers were astonished. They were shocked. They're like, these guys are Italians. <laughs> as many as came with Peter. I love Italians. I was just listening to a Carmen. Carmen, Fisher, Fisher's 10 years old. I'm trying to you know, have him listen to all this stuff I loved when I was a kid. Because I know in a, he's 10 right now. I know in like two or three years he's going to be too cool to hear Satan bite the dust. <laughs> but he thinks it's really cool right now listening to Satan bite the dust and things like this. Carmen was Italian. He actually gave a concert at our church about a dozen years ago. Those of the circumcision were, who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these Italians? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What happens when you're baptized? You speak with tongues. Acts 19, turn to Acts 19. I mentioned this earlier about what happened in Ephesus. Right, Acts 19, I'll start in the first two verses and skip to the sixth verse. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't as much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. You receive a Supernatural language, and I'll talk about this here in a little bit, but also um, a, a great supernatural power. Acts 4, I want to read it from Acts 4, verse 31, and also verse 33. So when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. So these people had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They had already been, been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can actually, you, you can, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive that prayer language, you can pray in it every day, but it's important to, to to keep praying in tongues, to keep being immersed in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness and with great power. Great, I love that. Say great power. great power. 
The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And say this, and great grace. Great grace was upon them all. There's a supernatural power that accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 5. Acts 5, verse 12 and 16. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Verse 16 said, Also multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. I love that at this church, that there are people here tonight who've come from nearly two hours away on a Wednesday night to be here. Why? Because... We're just a whatever kind of church with great power. Amen. A multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. At the end of service, I'm going to pray for people who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I'm also going to pray for people who feel that they've just been tormented. Man, the devil is a tormentor of souls, and some people just live with ongoing torment in some way. But God just spoke that to, to me, that the, that the devil is a tormentor of souls. That phrase, and I want to pray for people to just be set free from that. The devil torments people with sickness. He torments people with illness. He torments people with depression, with anxiety, with just, just constant, constant struggle, constant defeat, constant torment. And that is not from God. They were tormented, and it said they were all healed. You might say, well, well the, these signs, these wonders, it's just, you know, that, that's just the apostles. Well, Jesus said something that kind of throws that philosophy out of the boat. Mark 16, 17, and 18, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents if they drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Man, I think of that scripture every time I pray for someone who needs to be healed, who has sickness. I say, God, I think that these signs shall follow those who believe. This is the word of God. This is the word of Jesus. This is one of the last things he said in his ministry here on planet earth, that these signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't matter if you're a senior pastor, if you're a lowly associate, doctor, reverend, any believer. I thank you, Jesus, that you said this, that these signs will follow them who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Next point, I'm excited. My dad felt I couldn't finish it all tonight, but I want to do it. I think I'm going to do it because it all builds to activating it. Next question, why should you pray in tongues? When you pray in tongues, your spirit prays directly to God. It's a personal prayer language between you and God. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when you pray in tongues, you're praying directly to God. It says, for no one understands him. So you're not praying in English. You're not praying in Tagalog. You're not praying in Spanish. You're not praying in Italian. 
You're praying in something that, that isn't understandable in human language. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays directly to God. It's a personal prayer language between you and God. Um, second thing here, why should you pray in tongues? Praying in tongues builds you up. It builds you up. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Paul says, he says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. It builds you up. It edifies yourself. Um, Jude 20, it says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How many feel like from time to time you need to be built up? You know, I want to build people up here with my teaching. The word of God will build you up, but you can build yourself up by praying in tongues. Man, I remember at one of the lowest points in my life, my dad had great advice for me. He said, for, for 30 minutes a day, pray in tongues. And I did it for 30 minutes a day, and within a couple of weeks, I was supercharged. I was built up. I was ready to Amen. grab the bull by the horns, and I'm not going to hold on just for, what is it, eight seconds? I'm going to hold on for my lifetime. When you pray in tongues, you praise and magnify God. Acts 10, 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It magnifies God, it glorifies God. Next thing, when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit directs you. The Holy Spirit directs you and you pray according to God's perfect will. Sometimes you don't exactly know how to handle a situation. I remember um, when I was um, studying classical flute with one of the greatest flute masters in the world, she said, um, there are two things you need to do to improve. The first thing is to understand what the problem is, and the second thing is to know how to fix it. But a lot of people don't even know what the problem is. A lot of people, when they pray, they don't even know what the problem is. They don't even know, oftentimes you need to look in the mirror and the problem's right there. But sometimes people are kind of missing the mark with their prayers. They don't even know what to pray for. But when you pray in the Spirit, you're actually praying the perfect will of God. You're praying a perfect prayer. If your mind knows it or not, you are praying a perfect prayer. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That, that means that from time to time you're going to have weakness. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to even know what the real problem is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is the intercessor. Amen? Intercessory prayer is laying hold with the Holy Spirit. You really, really, you are not the intercessor. The Holy Spirit is the intercessor. And intercessory prayer is laying hold with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Lawson gave me a thumbs up. Amen? Some people say, I'm an intercessor, I'm an intercessor, I'm an intercessor. Like, really, the Holy Spirit is the intercessor, and you're laying hold with the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is another question that um, is a common question um, when you're kind of talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. Well, what about the gift of tongues? Isn't that only available to a few? 
And, and when we talk about the gift of tongues, this is coming from 1 Corinthians 12, which is um, the, these, these um, spiritual gifts, these charismatic gifts given uh, by the same spirit. They are given to different people, but there is a difference between the gift of tongues and a believer's personal prayer language of tongues. Okay? So um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 8 through 11 goes through these nine charismatic gifts. It says, For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to an, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. That's that gift of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. So this is, this is something different, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So these are given to different believers as, as, as God wills, as the Holy Spirit wills. But there's a difference between praying in tongues, that personal prayer language that is, I believe, available to every believer um, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. So when you pray in tongues, you're speaking to God. The gift of tongues is to be speaking to man. When you pray in tongues, you're speaking mysteries. The gift of tongues, the message is understood. Because there's, there needs to be an interpretation. Did you notice how that gift of tongues, right after it says there an, there's an interpretation of tongues? And that gift of tongues with the interpretation of tongues equals prophecy. Because it's to be understood. It's to edify. It's to comfort. It's to, to speak to the body. So the gift of tongues needs to be and should be accompanied by an interpretation. And it, it will have a prophetic utterance to it. So the gift of tongues, ultimately, the message is understood. Praying in tongues edifies yourself. The gift of tongues edifies the church. Praying in tongues, there's no interpretation. You don't understand it. God can lead you and put an unction in you to pray for something. You can actually flow from praying in tongues to praying in English or praying in Tagalog or whatever language you understand best. But there is no interpretation. Gift of tongues, there is an interpretation that is needed. Praying in tongues is for believers. The gift of tongues is ultimately assigned to unbelievers. Last question. I'm going to do it. How do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? First thing, you have to be born again. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. Amen? Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you, you can be a believer, you can have been water baptized, and you can then receive the Holy Spirit, but you can actually be a believer and then receive the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to Cornelius and his household. Peter was still preaching to them when they started believing and getting excited, and they just started praying in tongues. 
right? How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You have to be a believer. You have to be born again. Nextly, you have to want it. I've tried to lead people to it, but if they don't want it, they're not going to get it. You have to want it. You have to believe it's for you. If you think it's just for a select few, just for the super dupers, just for, not for me, you have to believe it and, and you know, want it. Um, John 7. John 7, starting in verse 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Pretty clear there. John 7, 37 to 39. Acts 2, verse 39. For the promise. The promise. I like Peter. I like that Peter here calls it the promise. He called it the, why do you call it the promise? Because Jesus called it the promise. Acts 2.39, for the promise is to you. To who? To you. Man, who, who is Peter preaching to? Man, I love the day of Pentecost. It's actually, it's like, it's a, it's a picture of God's redemptive work. If you go back to Babel, what happened at the Tower of Babel? All these people are trying to exalt themselves above God. The same thing is going on in the world today. We're going to build something that's greater than God. We're going to build something that stretches to the heaven. We're going to be gods ourselves. That tower is destroyed and people are separated and, and languages. They all had one language, but that's where different languages, they didn't understand each other. That's why they called it Babel. They were babbling. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and they were they were. There were Jews from all parts of, of, of the world. You can read about it. All parts of the world. They probably have different native languages. But something happened. They heard some, something going on. God was bringing unity to, to, to people. Unity through the power of the Holy Spirit. What was lost at Babel, God has now restored and redeemed it. And some of you, it's, we're still babbling today. For the promise is to you and to your, this is for you, and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You have to be born again. You have to want it and believe it's for you. And then just ask for it. It's that simple. You ask for it. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus taught us how to receive the Holy Spirit. Lastly, you take a step of faith. After you've believed on Jesus, you've wanted it, you believe it's for you, you ask for it, you take a step of faith, you open your mouth, you pray in tongues, you will do the speaking. The Holy Spirit doesn't just grab your tongue and start slapping it around and 
You do the speaking, and it'll be your voice, it'll be your syllables, it'll... And again, you don't understand it, right? You'll sense the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes people, people sometimes they have a feeling. You don't have to necessarily go by a feeling, but sometimes you, you feel that power. You feel that bubbling up on the inside of you, and, and you feel like an utterance coming, and you need to speak it forth. You won't understand what you are saying. 1 Corinthians 14, my last verse for tonight, before we go to offering, and then we'll have some prayer time. Some activation time. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. Paul writes this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So he said, I, I don't understand what I'm praying. I'm praying in a tongue. I'm praying with my spirit. I, I don't understand it. Doesn't sound like Greek. Doesn't sound like Aramaic. Doesn't sound like whatever else Paul could speak. My understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion now? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. When you're worshiping God at home, when you're even at church, you're welcome to, to pray in the Spirit at church. You're, you're actually welcome to sing. If you don't know the words to a new song, you actually sing in tongues. I don't care. Because you have 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. I often, you know, pray, I'll pray in tongues for five or ten minutes, and I'll pray in English for a few minutes, I'll go back. You can, you can go, you can pray in the Spirit, you can pray with your understanding, you can sing in the Spirit, you can sing with your understanding. I love what Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. This is a great conclusion. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. We'll see. Some of you might get to heaven and say, Paul, I think I outdid you. <laughs> I've heard of some people who pray in tongues and speak in tongues a lot. They might, they might outdo Paul. So, Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.